Hey guys, welcome to Julian's Choice Podcast. Yo, it's like episode 13 and I'm really glad that you guys like stuck through it. Well, at least half of you. <laughs> but anyways, um, this is episode 13 about how languages, um, it's so important to learn languages as well as uh, teaching languages as well with my friend Sarah. So just a little backstory, I don't think we actually mentioned it during the podcast recording sarah actually speaks four to five languages she speaks english italian dutch as well as she's learning chinese now and she had actually learned japanese too so technically that's five languages so she's really consistent in the sense where her purpose or the universe has always kept bringing her back to learning languages so she is the perfect person to talk about learning languages and i think it's the perfect time right now since everybody's like kind of you know, stuck at home. So I think learning languages would be a great way to kind of keep your mind off things. And it's a great way to kind of have fun as well or, you know, build up your skills. So yeah, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. And today's sponsor is Sarah's Freelance Teaching Career, (laughs) where I hope she's going to sponsor me with like food in the future. (laughs) I'm just joking. But anyway, uh, she's really a good teacher. Like she's very empathetic with her students. She tries to meet them halfway and you'll hear how, how she's a genuinely really nice person um, throughout the whole podcast. And I hope you guys feel it, you know, um, and I'm really grateful that I get to meet her. And she's like one of my closest friends and from the UK, actually, we met in the University of Manchester. So uh, before getting into it, if by then, if when I upload this podcast, she has given me the link to her freelance uh language course i don't know how to call it but basically like you know you hire someone to be a freelance teacher for you and so uh she can teach you english or she can teach you italian as well so i think that'd be a great way for anyone who likes to learn italian all right guys thank you so much i'll see you soon to talk about uh, football, but mm-hmm. I forgot that in America they call it soccer. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. So she was very confused, and I was like, what don't you understand? And she was like, well, I don't, I don't know football, American football. And I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I was about soccer. You know, I'm so used to speak um, British English that sometimes yeah. when I speak to American people, I forget to, you know, switch it. To, to American, American language. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, even in other countries, like English-speaking countries, like in the Philippines or in, even in Singapore, like we have our own English words that like mm-hmm. even the British and Americans don't really use. Like, okay, you know, like you guys say you guys, you have your monthly period, right? Yeah. Like, you're, I'm on my period. But like here, we just say, oh, we're on our menses, which is like a short form for menstruation. Oh, yeah. So we call it menses. <laughs> When I first said it in, in England, everyone was like, what? That's so weird, though. I don't think I've ever heard people even call it menstruations. No, like, we just call it menses. Like. For example, in Italian, we do say yeah. menstruations, like the literal translation for that. So we don't, we don't uh, say period. Oh, so it's pretty funny. But I find it weird to call it period. <laughs> Like what? (laughs) Because when you say menstruation, at least for me, when I say it, it it just feels too explicit. If that makes sense, and I know a lot of people that don't really, you know, they don't really feel comfortable talking about it, especially males. That's from my personal experience. (laughs) They don't like when I refer to my period as menstruations. Really, I make sure my guy friends know I'm on my period because they need to be prepared for married life. So I'm preparing <laughs> them. <laughs> no. Oh my goodness! No, you need to marry someone that has sisters because I feel like if they have a sister, mm-hmm. they are more used to, I don't know, you know, having period talks and having you know pads around the house, etc. <laughs> That is true. That is true. Are there any like languages, any other words that when you first came to the UK and like everyone got confused with what you were saying? Mm, I think 
mostly um, American words because when I learned English in school, um, I had a mother tongue teacher and she was from America. So I didn't really learn a lot of British English terms and expressions, if that makes sense. No, same, um, same. <laughs> I, I learned more American. And even my accent was very American when I, um, when I went to, to the UK. And really? Then, I thought it was very British, yeah. though. <laughs> I mean, I think because I had personal relationships with, um, you know, British people. So oh. my accent slowly started to change because I interacted more with British people than American people. Um, but uh-huh. I remember when I was in, in high school, I used to have an, a very strong American accent. Um, <laughs> and all of a sudden it changed. And my American teacher, she was so disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> but I like your British accent. It's nice. It's I funny, thought you were though, British, though. Exactly. Like people, some, when I speak, um, I mean, sometimes I do uh, stutter. stutter. Uh, and sometimes, you know, I, I, like now, I don't know how to pronounce certain words because I'm, I'm, I'm not native. Um, but yeah, I think for some people, it's a bit easier to adapt to certain accents. Um, oh, that is true. I'm so envious of people who are able to like, adapt their accent. <laughs> because I've only got like one accent, <laughs> which is this. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. It's so weird because it's, it's not something I can control. Sometimes True. when I'm speaking yeah. with someone from England, for example, my British accent becomes more prominent. Uh, yeah. But then if I'm speaking for a long time with someone from the US, for example, my American yeah. accent comes up, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I get it. I get it. So it's pretty fun to adapt. Even if but, it's not consciously. Yeah. That's true, that's true. It's quite funny though. Mm-hmm. But how's like you're learning your other languages, like Chinese, Japanese, See, Korean? <laughs> <laughs> I have never been a, a genius with um, grammar. Um, even in, in, in high school, when I used to have um, grammar tests um, for English language, right? Um, mm-hmm. I used to think of how I would say it, like if I was speaking to someone. And then if the question asks, oh, what um, you know, tense would you use? Um, present simple or uh, past perfect, whatever. I don't, I don't even remember. Um, <laughs> but then I, I would think in my head how I would say it. And then I just write it down without even thinking what tense is which and, and et cetera. And I would get quite good grades like that. Um, really? So, so, yeah. so for you, it's like you pretend you're talking to someone and then you write it down. Yeah, I just think how I would say it if I was speaking to someone and then I just wing it. Ninety <laughs> <laughs> percent of the times it works. So, you know, um, but the, the oh. problem is um, with languages like Japanese or uh, Korean or Chinese, it, it doesn't really work like that. <laughs> Really? Like, oh, um, because Koreans, they, they put the noun in front of like the adjective, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas it, in English... It's just because there is, there's too much grammar involved, in my opinion. With mm-hmm. English, it's... I wouldn't say it's similar to Italian, um, which is my native language, but, you know, it, you guess that you have subject, you have verb, you have object, and you hear English a lot in Europe. So I grew up watching movies in English or, you know, watching YouTube videos in English. So it, it kind of, you know, as you grow up with it, it's easier um, to mm-hmm. pick up the, the, you know, speaking and listening. Um, True. But with languages, for me, for example, like Chinese, yeah. it's a lot harder, you know, because we don't yeah. grow up surrounded by this language. And, mm. you know, it's a bit more difficult to pick it up just by listening ironically i live in a country where i'm surrounded with people speaking mandarin but i still can't pick it up <laughs> it's not an easy language in my chinese language but even when i speak to my chinese friends in english of course because i am yeah. not very um you know i'm a bit self-conscious about my chinese but yeah. they always say how for english speaking people it, it can take up to even 10 years to learn chinese fluently yeah, um, which really yeah. put me off at the beginning because I was I was thinking, yeah. you know, why do I want to learn a language if it's going to take ten years? By the time I'm thirty, I'm not going to become that fluent anyway. Um, but it's okay. It's I, with Chinese, 
especially it was a very fun experience to learn this it language. It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You learn about the history as well, right? Yeah. Um, this is another thing about languages that you don't really just learn the language. You learn so much more uh, when you take language classes. Mm-hmm. At least, for example, with my Chinese and Japanese classes at university, we had to do um, many like cultural expressions or, um, for example, I remember in my Chinese class when we talked about um, the word for clock, yep. Yep. how it's rude and not nice to gift a clock. Um, yeah, in yeah. China. it's true. Yeah, you know, and these small things—it's it, yeah. curious to know uh, about the mm. culture as well with with the language. Um, yeah. for example. But you know why we shouldn't mm-hmm. give a clock to as a gift? It's because it means like you're telling the person that I'm waiting for your time to be yeah. up. Yeah, right? for your it, It's not just it's not just in China, but like in quite a lot of like um, Chinese culture, like in Singapore mm-hmm. or Malaysia, you should not give a clock to anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. What's the other example? Sorry, I cut you off. It's okay. Um, because my my mom, she's learning Chinese as well. I convinced her. Nice, um, I love it. <laughs> and basically, she's doing the the beginners course, and they told her how, um, you know, they did medicines and uh, going to the hospital, how to um, talk with the doctors and stuff. And, you know, they, they talked about Chinese medicine and Western medicine, mm-hmm. how there's a difference. And she, did, she didn't know about it. You know, she thought mm-hmm. the medicines we have here in Europe, for example, are, you know, they're everywhere. And that's what everyone uses. And that's not true. Um, so that's interesting to also learn uh, while learning a language. Yeah, I agree. Like you learn a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like like certain expressions um, because some languages, they have their own unique expressions that can't be explained in other languages. Do you get what I mean? True. Um, I remember, I, I haven't studied Japanese for a long time, but I remember there are many yeah. words that have a very yeah. deep meaning, but yeah. there's no way to translate that in another language. Uh, yeah. It just makes sense in, in Japanese, for example, or in Chinese, the same with Italian, for example. Uh, there are some words that don't have a literal translation. So it's it's very hard, especially when you teach to someone a language, it's hard to convey the message, you know, behind these words. Mm-hmm. How, how do I explain this to someone that, you know, doesn't speak Italian and it's not their native language? That's a, a bit of a... I wouldn't say it's just language barrier, but also a bit of a cultural barrier in a sense. But why do you feel like a cultural barrier? Because in my opinion, language is so strictly, strictly, um, you know, related to culture. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So some words um, carry so much cultural meaning, if that makes sense. And it's hard to explain it to someone that doesn't have that cultural background, if that makes sense. So, you know, if you haven't lived in, in Italy for a long time or, I don't know, if, if it's not your native language, it, it might be a bit complicated to understand the meaning of the word, but also the cultural um, background of it, if that makes sense. Maybe you could give us like an example of like one word. I can't think of it right now. <laughs> it's okay. It literally happened to me the other day, but I can't think of it. Happened no, to me during my class. I I can I can imagine like, um, I feel like uh, let let me think of like a Korean word or Chinese word. Oh yes, okay. So this is Chinese word called xiangfa, mm-hmm. and like it means basically like mindset or attitude. But like for me, it's not really that. I don't know. It just, sometimes like certain words, it just feels like it feels right. Like it's a better explanation for how you want to say something as compared to just using like a different language. Does that make sense? Makes you know sense. what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it, it makes more sense well, it's in like your, your head part to say it of, in like, the native them. language of the word. The, like different instead language. of trying yeah. to translate it. 
Um, yeah, exactly. Well, first of all, I, I will start by saying that it's very pleasant when the students revise for the <laughs> for the classes, um, uh, especially because I teach a lot of speaking and, and listening skills. Mm-hmm. So I, my focus is more on speaking with the students, right? You know, mm-hmm. if they don't do the the revision part of you know, revising verbs or vocabulary, how to conjugate verbs in Italian, which is very difficult. Um, <laughs> it becomes harder for them. So I think what I don't enjoy is when they don't enjoy the, themselves because they didn't revise, if that makes sense. Oh, is, is this referring to your students who are in their middle school? <laughs> are you throwing some shade on them? <laughs> Not necessarily, because there's yeah. lots of adults that maybe don't have time to study or especially mm. university students in their first or second year, sometimes they might have too much work so they can't be bothered to, you know, revise Italian uh, for this week. And it's okay. Um, like I understand that. Like sometimes I have so much stuff to do, I don't have time to study Chinese. Um, <laughs> but I, I understand how keeping it revised every week yep. can make it more fun, not just for the teacher but also for the student. You know, when, you know, when you're a student and you, you worked quite hard, I wouldn't say uh, to exhaustion, but you worked quite hard uh, yep. and mm-hmm. you finally start to understand some things that the teacher says. When that happens in, in my Chinese class, I get so excited and happy. I don't necessarily <laughs> say it to my teacher, but it's so fun and rewarding um, mm-hmm. to finally understand what someone is saying in that language. And especially True. when I see this in my students, yeah. you know, they, they find it rewarding and they are so happy because they understood or they structure a, a sentence properly. You know, I get so happy for them because <laughs> I feel like I have been both in both places, you know, as a student and as a teacher. I can understand that excitement as as a student, you know. That's true. No, I so, get what you mean, like. So, like, because, you know, I've been listening to a lot of Korean YouTube and stuff. And it gets me very excited when I recognize a word. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? When you finally, you know, after watching a lot of dramas, Korean dramas or whatever, or after revising a lot of vocabulary, you finally understand something. Like, I remember my mom when yeah. she started doing her beginner's course for Chinese and she was watching um, a Chinese movie and she came to me and she was so excited saying, oh, Sarah, I, I finally understood what they were saying. I understood what they were talking about. And that's just, just so exciting. It, it's it's such a rewarding feeling. It really is. I mean, yeah. I know you, you probably get that from learning anything, to be honest. Um, I remember when I was learning maths in school, I hated maths. But if I finally understood something, that's very exciting. Um, but that's you know, when true. you're learning a language, yeah. you know, you're understanding someone from another culture, from another, you know, another country, and yeah. I, I don't know. That's that's very rewarding for me. It, especially like you know how we like this boy band called Wavy. Oh yeah, true. <laughs> and like when they're speaking like on their YouTube, you know, they do their vlogs. But then, like, it's just so satisfying that I understand them, you know? Mm -hmm. I understand my idols. And then sometimes you might have that feeling of, um, you know, I understand it, but I wouldn't know how to reply or, you know, how to say it. True. But it's okay. (laughs) I think um, comparing it to my journey of learning English, the first step is trying to listen and understand Speaking comes little by little and also with a little bit of courage. (laughs) (laughs) Courage. Courage. Maybe that's that's for you for like Chinese now, the courage to say it. (laughs) Because um, the writing and and reading of Chinese, in my opinion, is easier than Mm -hmm. listening and speaking. Um, I do listen to some Chinese movies or Chinese music, like Mm -hmm. Wavy. Um, yes, wavy. But I think because there are so many tones and mm-hmm. it's a language that focuses so much on the pronunciation. Yeah, true. And it's so far away from our European languages, for example. 
uh, that it's very, very hard to follow uh, when listening. So at the level mm-hmm. I'm now, it's a lot easier to understand the grammar, mm-hmm. ironically, because I'm usually bad at grammar. Um, <laughs> and the, the writing, so recognizing the characters, which normally every, everyone thinks um, with mm-hmm. Asian languages, it's more difficult to learn the characters and memorize them. But Really? Yeah. Uh, it, mm-hmm. When you speak to someone uh, or I tell them, oh, you know, I'm studying Chinese, they probably, most likely they will tell me, oh, how do you do that? You know, so many characters to, to recognize. And, and I'll tell them, oh, wait until you listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard oh to distinguish, God. you know. <laughs> I mean, if they speak slowly, like any language, it's a bit easier. Mm, but, true, that's true. But, you know... It's, it's very different from, you know, Latin-based languages where I come mm-hmm. from. But I feel like one thing about learning languages, it's really the accent. Because when I was learning Spanish, like, in university, like, it's very difficult to kind of grab certain accent. Like, if, let's say, I started learning the accent of, like, South America, South American, like Argentina, mm-hmm. Spanish, right? It's very different when I'm speaking with my friend from Madrid. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I get you. I mean, because in Chinese culture as well, there are like different accents as well. There's a Malaysian yeah. Chinese accent, and then there's like the like different accents within China itself. See, that's another thing that scares me. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> because um. The, the Chinese Mandarin I'm learning now is mm, very much based on the Beijing accent. Ah, um, okay. Which it's, it's fine. Um, but, you know, what if you go to another region or mm-hmm. province in China or, you know, even other countries that, that speak Mandarin? Um, yeah. What if you don't understand? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so that's something I'm a bit concerned about. I guess we got to like, you know, diversify the different accents that we listen to. Because for Wavy, when we listen to them speak Mandarin, they're kind of using it in a very international yeah. way. So it's very easy to understand. Mm-hmm. But like if they use their own like, you know, their province where they come from, their own slang and their accent and their dialect, then it, it starts to become like, oh no, what? No, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no, but I understand your yeah. um, the mm-hmm. the fact that different accents can change the meaning of something completely for you. Uh, yeah, that you are learning yeah. that language. I mean, yeah, it is. It, yeah, it, for me, I think you know when you say the courage to speak. I think for me, the reason why like English was such an easy like language to pick up as compared to like Mandarin was because I was always speaking the language. Mm-hmm. as compared to Chinese. <laughs> so did you grow up um, learning English or was it your native language? Like, did you speak it at home? Because, for example, yeah. with me, yeah. I live in mm-hmm. Italy, so I was surrounded mm-hmm. by Italian. That's the only language we speak here. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, because my, my father speaks Dutch, sometimes yeah. I would practice with him. But naturally, my main language is Italian. I you know, in school, everything is in Italian. Like when you do maths, it's in Italian. Math in Italian? Oh my god! So how how was it for you, like in Singapore? Mm, because in Singapore, it's basically like a potluck of languages. So like you hear us speak like five different languages in a single sentence, <laughs> but then it's like all broken. <laughs> but but basically, like I grew up. No, I, English is my native language because I grew up watching like Disney channels and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I'm supposed to be learning like Mandarin alongside my English, right? But the thing is like, because I grew up watching Disney channel, like I kind of like not paid attention to my Chinese language. Like, but it's not on purpose. It's like my teachers kind of like say, oh, you're hopeless in Chinese. Don't bother. And I'll be mm. like, okay, I'll just focus on English. <laughs> you know? That, that's another issue in my opinion. Um, because when learning something, in this case, yeah. languages, the, yeah. the teaching and the teachers are extremely important in my opinion. Because mm-hmm. languages are something that, in my opinion, everyone can learn. 
I have seen mm-hmm. a lot of students in my small teaching career um, that maybe had a very strong dyslexia and they uh-huh. still manage to learn languages better than someone that doesn't have dyslexia, for example. Really? Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So I feel like with languages in particular, teachers should, you know, meet the students halfway, if that makes sense. Mm. A bit with every subject, I guess. But, mm. you know, if your teacher told you, you know, there's there's no point in learning Mandarin because you're bad or something, that's not personally something um, a teacher would should do. do. Yeah. yeah. Like, I would so try would personally to... Yep you know, meet you halfway, maybe try to make Mandarin a bit easier for you. Maybe mm. for you, it, it can be difficult, but it doesn't mean that it has to be impossible, you know? True. It, wow. it, you can make it a bit easier. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes when we have to make tests or exams for students, yeah. you don't necessarily make it easier, but for example, with someone that has dyslexia, you need to create the paper in a way that they can read it properly and they can understand it. Which, it doesn't mean you have to make it easier for them. Like, the question might still be the same. You just structure it a bit differently, you know? Mm, Well, that's very interesting. So how do you, like, structure your questions for different students? Like, Mm. someone who's struggling to someone who's an expert, you know? It really depends because I am not expert right now. I'm still, you know, growing um, mm-hmm. towards a career but for example in with the student I have now mm-hmm. they told me their struggles um, they told me what they struggle with the most for example with conjugating um, verbs in Italian which is very difficult mm-hmm. um, but they have one specific thing they really really struggle with so I try to find a way to explain to them in a very simple way that it's easier to understand instead of the classic um, description from, you know, a, a language book and <laughs> make it also in a, in a fun way. Um, do you do games is, with them? True. Yeah, we, we do sometimes. Um, especially when, I, when I'm trying to practice English with my Italian students. Uh, sometimes we play Kahoot games or mm, just like memory games with... Um, English vocabulary. Games, it's something that stimulates your brain in a fun way. Mm-hmm. And that's more pleasurable in a sense for someone that is learning, in my opinion. That's so with, true. Uh, we do it with Chinese as well. It's a bit difficult because it's very difficult, uh, <laughs> yeah. for example, but um, it, it's fun. It's probably more stimulating in the sense that if you just listen to the teacher explaining, yeah, it can become boring, and then if you already struggle, you know, it, it, you can switch off your brain completely. That happened to me sometimes. Uh, oh, really? <laughs> if if the teacher just keeps explaining, explaining without making it a bit involving or you know entertaining, sometimes students just switch their brains off, don't listen, or do something else in the in the meantime. You know. Mm, I think there needs to be a balance, right? Like in the yeah. classroom setting. Fun games mm. and then some seriousness. I think the seriousness can be serious, mm-hmm. but it's still in an entertaining way. Engaging. Mm. Yes. So thinking back to also my high school days, yeah. not every teacher is able to do this. I'm, I mm. really want to be able to do this with my students. That's mm-hmm. why I try to be as engaging as possible. Um, mm-hmm. You know, always checking if they are following, but not in a negative way, just checking if mm-hmm. they are understanding what is what is happening. And if they're not understanding, okay, I'll stop. And we can try and, and you know, understand it in an easier way or explaining it a bit better, you know. Mm-hmm. I always try to ask and, and make sure everyone is on the same page. That's something, this, in my opinion, teachers should That's very do. good. It's very empathetic of you. Like, you know, it makes the, te- the students like, oh, okay, she cares in a way. That, that's another issue, in my opinion, because, for example, when uh-huh. you said your teacher told you, or, you know, you shouldn't study Mandarin because you're not good at it. 
<laughs> yeah, I think that kind of inflicted um, me. Yeah, but also makes you believe. Like if if an adult True. or someone you yeah. respect normally yeah. tells you, "Oh, you're not good at this. You should just give it yeah. up." Yeah, you know, you 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 believe it as a kid for sure. For sure, we internalize what we hear, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, I don't really know about the newer generations because when I was teaching in middle school, um, newer yeah. generations are a bit less respectful, at least. From my personal experience in, in Europe, teaching in Europe, mm-hmm. um, so it's a bit harder to also make them believe in themselves because they wow. are so strongly yeah. opinionated. These kids nowadays, it's hard <laughs> to, you know, um, get, you know, get in their brains in an in, in, even in a positive way, you know. Mm, that's you just believe, true. Oh, you know, I'm bad at English. I, I won't pay attention then. Even if I tell them, you know, you can do this, you're actually good. They don't yep. believe it. So, but I feel okay. Maybe in my personal opinion, like even though like they may disagree with you on the front, mm-hmm. but if, if let's say you told them like, oh, you can do it, you know, I believe in you, and then they would like say no, no, and then they'll start like fighting back. But I think it's more of like their defense mechanism. But they will remember that you believed in them like years yes. years later yes, so like, I, I agree with you on this uh, right right yeah I feel like what adults or just in general a figure that someone respect should respect in a sense like a teacher authoritative or a, figure yeah, yeah a parent or I don't know that for kids it has a really big impact not necessarily right now but also in the future but I also mm. think for example if the kids have um you know tough environment at home where maybe the parents mm-hmm. are not you know available or mm-hmm. they don't really encourage the the children mm-hmm. having someone that encourages them at school is extremely mm-hmm. important in that sense mm-hmm. I that's agree. why i don't really mm-hmm. empathize with teachers that don't empathize with students <laughs> you know <laughs> I feel like they should put like teachers in an emotional intelligence test. <laughs> but then again, it's not their fault. It's probably because of like how um, how taxing it is to be a teacher sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. the long working hours. I mean, don't get me wrong. Teaching is yeah. extremely tiring. Like people yeah, I can imagine. like to think that teaching is, at least where I grew up, um, yeah. there was this conception that if you were a teacher... You were probably someone that failed in school and probably, um, you know, couldn't achieve that dream of, I don't know, becoming someone important. So you ended up going to teach. Wow. That's harsh. Um, And this is also maybe why I always looked at teaching as something that I didn't want to do. You know? Really? Okay. And I feel like... Until I actually had the experience, I didn't understand how nice it is, how, you know, how much of, um, I wouldn't call it prestigious, but respectable Privileged. job. Respectable. Yeah, respectable okay. job it is, you know, because you have so much responsibility in your hands of teaching. The future Maybe generations. Is, you, know, yeah. you know, the future generation. Yeah. Teaching is really something we need to respect and look at it you know in a positive light and not saying oh you know you're a teacher then you means you failed in life you know that's true that's quite true i think um in asian mm-hmm. culture is a lot different as compared to in europe because mm-hmm. when you say when you told me that um you know that in Europe you guys do not see like teaching as a respectable job but like in Singapore at least or even in uh, certain countries like Asian countries like teaching teaching is kind of respectable especially in Singapore like they get paid quite decent like decent but (laughs) but at the same time it's uh, I think that there are different ways to improve education I don't think like it's just focusing on the job sometimes maybe it's more about the structure of the education in a country. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like, you know, for example, like in Finland, they have different structures where they encourage, I think there was a particular school where they encourage students to like, um, choose the subject they want to learn, right? Mm-hmm. Do you know about this? Because I love it so much. I'm not sure about Finland. 
I know that the education system is really wonderful. Um, I can only speak to my experiences as, you know, for example, my mom is a teacher and she's always taught in Italy. And our education system is not one of the greatest. <laughs> um, teachers don't get paid much. And mm-hmm. there's generally no great encouragement um, towards teachers teaching and also by students and parents looking at teachers with, yep. you know, a, a respectable eye, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have seen a lot of parents just complaining about every little mm-hmm. detail, even if the teacher tried her best to, oh, no. you know, meet yeah, the yeah. students halfway, meet the parents halfway. Mm, nothing insane. is good enough if that makes sense for that's true new new generation parents uh, nowadays um, yep. I feel like it's gotten worse and worse <laughs> there's yeah. more you know parents want more from mm. teachers but you know mm. it's already hard enough to teach and prepare classes mm. and everything true. and also try to meet the students halfway for example if there's someone that has ADHD or dyslexia you need to like yeah. structure the, the class a bit different for them or do the exam a bit different for them um, mm. you know just do so much but it it seems like it's never enough at least where I live mm. and mm. how I grew up mm. uh, there is this general sentiment and also from yep. students themselves not just parents um, I remember when I was in high school there is this general sentiment that we shouldn't really respect um, all teachers all teachers like particularly mm-hmm. um, some teachers we had to respect them because they were very very strict mm-hmm. so they created this scary environment uh, in the class and that's when it worked Um, and there were also some charismatic teachers where they weren't necessarily necessarily strict or they didn't give you a bad grade just for speaking in class, but they had that authority that you, you didn't feel like, you know, going against that authority, you know? No, I get what I mean. Yeah. You know, maybe it's just a... Southern European, but I think, for example, in the United States, um, yep. this happens as well. Yeah, even I think in my mm-hmm. like from my experience, like in primary school or secondary school, there were always like what you mentioned, like there'll be a teacher that gives off this like military vibe, <laughs> where like it has to be strictly followed by her rules, and then there'll be like a teacher that has so much charisma that you know she just commands her room or mm-hmm. he commands the room based on his personality, and everyone just wants to listen to him or her, which is mm-hmm. quite true because I think for me when I was growing up, I I learned a lot better when the teachers were very passionate on the subject. Yeah when they push me and when they they you could tell they want you to do the best and you mm-hmm. and they're like I don't know they have this like aura or like vibes <laughs> that's like like it, it just surrounds you in the whole classroom <laughs> that it helps a lot yeah I, I feel like teaching especially like what you mentioned um, a teacher or like authoritative figure especially when your household is so chaotic and a teacher that really like says that they believe in you it really helps to help help me especially when I was a young when I was younger to like do better in my studies mm-hmm. if that makes sense and maybe I have only the experience in terms of teaching languages but languages is something that not everyone enjoys in school at least from my personal experience um Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. english wasn't a a subject that most people liked and Ah. having someone that even of a subject you don't like but encouraging you yep that makes you like the class anyway like for yeah, example, that's so true. I yeah. hated physics in middle school and, and high school, but my teacher was so nice and she always tried to, you know, encourage me and say, you can do this. You know, we, we can practice a bit more if you want or after school, you know, if, if you would like to meet, we can create a small classroom with the people that struggle a bit more and, you know, we can practice a bit more. Having mm. that help or yeah. having someone believe in you makes you 
you know, more prone to try and do better or even just slightly enjoy the class. No, that is true. Like, I had, like, this, like, mathematics teacher that really, like, she, oh, my God, I still remember this too today because, like, we have, like, a national exam when we were 12 years old. Mm-hmm. And then before the national exam, my teacher invited us, like, a few of us, like, a few of the girls uh, to her house after, like, after school. And she would buy us McDonald's and we would study at her house. And it's... It's so memorable for me because it feels like, okay, I really want to do better for this, you know. Because mm-hmm. I was getting closer to the teacher as well. And like, it was like, it was like one of the rare times where an adult or like, because I was 12 years old, right? That treated me like a friend. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So, so that, that really encouraged me at a very young age. So, so it, it makes like learning math quite enjoyable. Yeah. Exactly. This is what I mean also when... I say teachers meeting students halfway. It's not mm-hmm. just, I don't know, developing a class that everyone can understand, but also meeting your, your students after school hours or, you know, even just saying something encouraging towards them that you actually mm-hmm. believe in them. You know, yeah. I feel like when it comes to teaching, being empathetic, it's the, one of the most important things um, to be a teacher that's empathetic. I feel like you're going to be a teacher one day, Sarah. <laughs> I feel so too. <laughs> I feel like, you know, you mentioned before that you really love languages. I feel like it's your calling. Like this whole thing is your calling. See, um, I would like to think so as well because when I was in high school, English and languages was um, probably the only subjects that I was good at and that I also felt some satisfaction out of it mm-hmm. and pleasure out of it. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, maybe with languages you can't do so much. You could be a translator maybe. That's what I thought uh, when mm-hmm. I was still in high school. But I don't know if I want to be a translator because um, – at least in my opinion, that sounds like a very, very tiring job. Uh, especially, you know, live translators. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a very difficult job. Um, and it just didn't seem like something I wanted to do. And I've always been really interested in Asian languages, Asian cultures. Mm-hmm. So I went for Asian cultures. Yeah. But then culture and languages are so strictly related to each other that you know the paths of languages crossed mine again uh, well it's a calling <laughs> it does seem like a calling and i'm not gonna lie to you i do really enjoy both learning and teaching languages so yeah we'll see what happens no i am really excited you'll definitely be like somehow or another like the universe is gonna pull you back to languages <laughs> I just feel like I mean I personally enjoy them it's it's just yeah. a personal um, you know something I enjoy um, but at the same time I also see the importance behind it and yeah. as someone that wants to do something not necessarily to change the world but to, to do something good Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like learning languages and learning cultures and teaching them, mm-hmm. it's so important nowadays, especially yep. with everything that is going on in the world right now. Um, between, you know, all the hate, Asian hate in, for example, the United States and because of yep. COVID-19, for example. Yeah. I just feel like it's so important to learn other cultures and learn other languages. Try to understand where someone else is coming from you know we are so stuck in judgment if that makes sense from what we i don't know learn from our house or from what our parents Mm. say um about other cultures that sometimes you are stuck in that judgment not everyone of course um but you know learning a language or learning another culture can really open your mind on what someone else someone else goes through in another country or how they think and that really creates a dialogue because if you understand someone from a different country you can mm-hmm. really create a dialogue with them instead of just arguing because they speak a different language or they have a different view over something you know that's true 
that's probably why I really enjoy Asian cultures because they are, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say 100%, but they are very far away from Western culture, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it would be nice to teach the future generation about it, you know, mm-hmm. and just create a bridge between the different cultures. <laughs> No, I love it. <laughs> that is so cool. Yeah, I feel like you kind of, you kind of know that this is kind of like your, like there is a purpose behind this. You know what I mean? There is yeah. a purpose to teaching languages. There is a purpose in teaching in general, or even in cultures as well. Like you, you've seen the bigger picture. You don't see it as like a quick cash. <laughs> no, it, it feels like a long term investment. You know. Yeah, it is. It's not, not going to necessarily make everyone finally put themselves in other people's shoes. <laughs> but maybe if we teach the future generations new languages, um, you know, if, if future generations can speak more than two languages, that can be helpful for them to make better decisions for the world <laughs> compared to <laughs> what uh, current politicians, for example, are making. <laughs> But I won't. Uh, I won't go into that. Uh, but you know, yeah, we we'll never know. Yeah, I feel like current politics mm-hmm. are very, um, as always, they've always been like this. But are very focused on you know our own culture, our own country, mm. and it's hard to make you know decisions in relations to other countries if you don't really know much about them. Or mm, you just true. base your knowledge on your judgment about them, you know. Mm, that's true. But I, I think you know if I sorry if I come off rude or something. But <laughs> I think coming from like a let's say a politician, right? If you think of putting yourself in their shoes, they're probably making decisions based on like the majority of the voters where oh, yeah. they maintain their power in their seats, right? Yeah, you're not being rude. Um, I mean. I- <laughs> As someone that has studied um, international relations as well right now, um, I can tell you power has probably, is the main goal behind every interactions with other countries. So It's so sad. Why why can't we have people like, you know, looking at the bigger picture, you know? It's so sad. I feel like that also comes with a beauty behind it, if that makes sense. The fact Mm -hmm. that, we are different and how diverse everything is, you know? Yeah, true. Because, you know, the government of China is very, very different compared to the government, I don't know, of a European country or the United States or the government of Brazil, you know? Mm, That's true. That's true. Culturally, yeah. Culturally, yeah. Yeah. There's always similarities in terms of power and, you know having influence around the world but mm. culturally very different mm. and, and how they structure within the government as well is very different as well mm. but yeah it makes sense it's so true so yeah languages and cultures extremely important to learn I agree do you have like any advice for like people who would like to pick up a language how, how should they like go about learning it? Since you have so many languages, you speak four <laughs> languages, Dutch, Italian, English, I mean, and now Chinese, and a bit of Japanese. That's five, right? <laughs> um, yeah. Well, as someone that really finds it easy to pick up a language by listening, I, really, I always recommend to my students to listen a lot. Listen to TV shows, YouTube videos, or music, or I don't know, anything. Um, This is something that for me, with learning, for example, English, was super helpful. And I always recommend it to my Italian students and my American students. So listening, which I should probably follow as well, because with my Chinese, I'm really struggling with listening, so... (laughs) No, but you're listening to wavy, which is like music, you know, yeah. like Chinese music. Yeah. And also be careful when listening, though, because mm-hmm. um, especially, for example, with Chinese, mm-hmm. there are so many different accents, uh, as we said before. Yeah. And also there are many, for example, movies that are based on ancient China, right? So they use very 
they use term that I'm probably not used that much anymore. So oh, that's bit, true. You know, yeah. a, a bit difficult to follow, and maybe you might learn some words that are not really used. <laughs> so um, just be careful about that. What I noticed um, mm-hmm. with, for example, when I was learning English, that's my phone. It's um, okay. <laughs> when I was learning English, what really helps it's also watching cartoons. Ironically. Oh, yeah. Because it's so vibrant, right? um, Yes. And also because when when, uh, actors have to, you know, um, I don't know the word in English right now, but, you know, when they have to speak for the character, the animated character, right? Yeah. They have to be very fluent and clear when they speak. Oh, but the way they enunciate their words. Ah, Okay. When you listen to animations, that's somehow more clear to understand and a bit more helpful in my opinion mm, compared that's true. to I don't know normal movies <laughs> so listening is something I always suggest for everyone learning a language listening listening and a bit of courage in speaking <laughs> <laughs> I love it thank you so much Sarah for joining me <laughs> thank you for having me alright <laughs> Hey guys, thanks so much for listening all the way to the end of this episode. You guys are heroes, rock stars, literally. You guys stayed for 49 minutes listening to us like chatter nonsense. <laughs> but anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed this. Um, I would like to make more for you guys in, on different topics. Um, if you guys have any feedback or any topics that you, that you guys like me to talk about with my friends, that'd be great. Definitely can't wait to do more. And... Um, Today's sponsor is Sarah's future career. <laughs> I'm just joking. I hope she'll treat me to lunch when I visit her in Italy. Alright guys, happy Monday. See you guys soon. <laughs>